welcome back to the Yuktropolis podcast for more real ukulele answers to real ukulele questions from real ukulele students, just like you. <laughs> I'm your host, James Hill, and in this episode, we are going to demystify the diminished seven chord. Stick around. So for some reason, the diminished seven chord seems to be trending on Euctropolis. <laughs> uh, there have been a lot of questions just recently about this chord, how to play it, how to use it, how to understand it. And this is not specific to one course. It's been coming up in the Ukulele Way. It's been coming up in the Jehui Teacher Certification Program. It's definitely been coming up in the brand new Ukulele Jazz course. And so in this episode, I'm going to bounce around a little bit between different courses, but we're going to stay with this theme of what is a diminished seven chord? Why do we use it when we use it? Why does it sound the way it does? And why are we so confused by it? <laughs> so before we dive into any of that, here's how the diminished seven chord sounds. Have you heard this chord before? It's a chord that says something is about to happen. It is just full of suspense and sort of pent up energy, right? And you've probably come across other chords that have a similar sense of tension and direction, right? For example, the classic G7. Very desperately wants to resolve to a C chord, to sort of just come to rest finally. It, it's a chord of, of motion, of movement, of driving toward the finish. Right? And it knows where it wants to go. G7 wants to resolve to C. You've probably come across that before. The difference with a diminished seven chord is that while it's full of tension and anticipation, it doesn't really know where it wants to go. Or said differently, it has options in terms of where it can go. It could resolve. And this, by the way, I'm, I'm playing a I'm playing an F diminished seven chord. So that's one, two, one, two on the frets. If you want to follow along, that's the fret names from the ceiling to the floor. One, two, one, two. Almost a G7 chord, but with one extra note. This chord really can't make up its mind where it wants to go. It only knows it wants to go somewhere. It doesn't know where it wants to go. It says, hey, I want to go out for dinner. And you say to this chord, well, where, where do you want to go? It says, I don't know. I just want to go out for dinner. It could go here. That sounds like a resolution. It could also go here. That sounds like a nice resolution. Right? It could also go here. And that sounds like a decent place to go. It could also go here. Each one of those, once you hear them once or twice, 
Each one of those feels like a reasonable place for that chord to land. And that is partly what makes the diminished seven chord such an interesting and confusing musical beast. So now that you know how it sounds, how it feels to hear this chord, which is the most important thing, remember, the the theory of it comes later. The theory of it is the analysis of why it makes you feel the way it does. But the most important thing is that it does make you feel the way it does. The, The fact that you can be happy to go in four different directions with this one chord. And that each one feels like a reasonable thing to do. Yeah, sure. Uh, let's resolve here. Sure, let's resolve there. Yeah, that actually that one over there sounds pretty good too. The reason it makes you feel that way is the most important thing. And now we can look at, if you want, um, how and why it is that way. So the theory always follows the practice. The theory always follows the feeling. The analysis comes after. But that's where we are right now. We're after. We know how it makes us feel. So why does it make us feel that way? Well, it's because this chord is completely symmetrical. Okay, fine. Well, (laughs) what does that mean? It's totally symmetrical. Well, it means that if you take an octave from, let's say, C to C, and you say to yourself, I want to divide that octave into four equal parts so that each part is the same distance as all the others. It would sound like this. That's one jump, another one, another one, and then I arrive at C again. That's a way of dividing that octave into four equal parts. Here's the first part. Here's the second part, here's the third part, and here's the fourth part. You can imagine taking a, like a sausage and just dividing it into four equal mini sausages, right? And if you look closely, uh, each one of those segments is called a minor third. And we can test this by singing a song that starts with a minor third. Oh, let's try O Canada, for example. And if we try that on each one of those, we will test to see if each one is in fact a minor third. O Canada. Yep, that first one is a minor third. That's the the same interval that O Canada starts with. So let's try a minor third starting on this note. Yep. That one is a minor third too. Let's keep going. Yep. That one's a minor third too. What about the last one? Yep. That last one is a minor third as well. Hmm. So what I have here is a series of intervals that are exactly the same size, and it covers the entire octave. That is how a diminished seven chord is built. It's a strange musical animal where every 
distance within the chord is the same as every other distance within the chord. And that is one of the reasons why the chord can't decide where to go, because there's no clear root note. It's the reason why a diminished seven chord can be named for any one of its notes. We could call this chord that we just made together, we could call it C diminished seven. We could also call it E flat diminished seven. We could call it G flat diminished seven. Or we could also call it A diminished seven. We can name it after any one of its notes because to be honest, we can't say for sure which one of them is the root because the distance between them is always the same. Any one of them could be the root. It's a little bit like uh, you know, having a Rubik's cube and uh, spinning the sides and the, and the little blocks and you can get different patterns, you can get different combinations of colors and that's all good, but it's always gonna be a cube you can't really change the fundamental shape of that cube. It's a little bit like that with the diminished seven chord. You can invert it and move it around. You can take a note from the bottom and put it on top, but it really doesn't change the overall shape of that chord. It's always a diminished seven chord. So you might be wondering, okay, so fine. Uh, I know how it sounds. Uh, I know how it makes me feel. Now I understand how it's built, but how do I get my fingers into the right place? Uh, very practical question. How do I actually get my fingers in position for this? And this brings us to our first uh, question. It's actually a comment from one of our students, Carolyn. Carolyn is working on uh, the ukulele jazz course, and she's just finished uh, a lesson that is specifically on the diminished seven chord. And she says, I love the way you demystified the playing of the diminished seven. Suddenly a jazzy light went on in my head and my fingers say thank you for the step-by-step -step guide. Okay, so what Carolyn is discovering here is that this diminished seven shape, two, three, two, three, is actually more familiar than she thought. What I mean by that is if you take a G chord, G, a chord that you've probably played a bunch of times. That is, it looks like a D chord on a guitar if you've played guitar before. The frets from the ceiling down to the floor would be zero, two, three, two. And what does that lovely sounding chord have to do with a diminished seven chord? Well, it turns out if you can play G, you're three quarters of the way to playing a diminished seven. You just take that G chord, you jump it up toward the ceiling by one string, so that all the fingers move by one string toward the ceiling or toward your face. And you get that. It looks like you're, you're playing a G chord wrong. <laughs> but in this case, it gives you three quarters of the chord that you might have been struggling with, this diminished seven chord. All you have to do now is put the little finger on the C note, and there you have it. If you think of it that way, it's really not that unfamiliar. We're taking something that you already know, 
and we're extending it to become something that you perhaps don't know yet, but you do now. So that's what Carolyn is is talking about when she says, um, my fingers, thank you. We're going to turn now to a question from Sandy, who's also working on the course Ukulele Jazz. And she's come to the lesson where she's learning the great, great song, I'll See You in My Dreams. This is one of my favorites, such a beautiful melody, such wonderful chords. And she has a question specifically about the chord D7 flat 9. And guess what D7 flat 9 sounds like? Yep, exactly the chord that we have been calling C diminished 7, among other things. So what gives here? Sandy says, does it matter if you call it a diminished chord or a 7 flat 9 chord? This is a great question. So before we go any further, I want to give you some context. I'm going to play a bit of this song, and I want you to listen for the word they. They will light. On the word they, you'll hear the the chord in question, and then we're going to explore it together. So here's a bit of I'll See You in My Dreams. Lips that once were mine Tender eyes that shine They will light my way hear it? On the word they. They will light my way tonight. And Sandy says, you know, it says D7 in the sheet music. I am working with my students to get them to play a D7 flat 9 there, and it ends up looking just like a diminished 7 chord. So what is going on? There's like... This is super confusing, right? So let's take it one step at a time. D7 is the chord of the moment. No trouble. Okay, I'm playing D7 in a very conventional way. First finger straight across the second fret and middle finger uh, one fret higher on the A string. Two, 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 three. Okay, fine. But the melody note at that moment, they, that note, is an E flat. It's what the it's what the composer wanted to hear in the melody. But that note is not part of the chord. There is no E flat in a D7 chord. They it's just not there. So if I want to help the melody out, this is especially true if I'm the melody singer and I want to give myself a hint, you know, so I can hear that note a bit better. I can add it into the chord. And I can do that by just just uh, putting my finger down on E flat. And there it is, part of the D7 chord. But what do I get? Now I get the chord 2, 3, 2, 3. Oh, and I'm right back to that same familiar diminished 7 chord shape that we've been working on for this entire podcast. Only now I'm thinking of it differently. I'm thinking of it as D7 with an extra note. And that extra note happens to be the flat 
9. Just for now, take my word for that. We go into much more detail on this in the lesson itself. But for now, here's the rule of thumb. Seven flat 9 chords always end up looking like diminished 7 chords. And that's where the confusion comes. And Sandy says, does it matter then which one we call it? Diminished 7 or 7 flat 9? And the answer is, it does actually matter, and for a very practical reason. And that is, the bass player needs to know what you want them to do. The bass player is going to look at that chord name, and they're going to probably play the root. They're going to probably play the name of that chord on their instrument. And if you call it a D7 flat 9, you're going to get a different bass note from the bass player than if you call it for example, uh, E flat diminished 7, or C diminished 7. Okay, so that is the very practical reason why it matters what you call these chords. It doesn't so much matter to the ukulele player, because you're going to put your fingers down in the same place no matter what, but it does matter to the other players in your band, in particular to the bass player. Now, just to run this home, I want to I want to actually play these examples for you right here. I'm going to play this phrase. They will light my way tonight. And I'm going to play it a number of times. And each time, you're going to hear a different note in the bass. So you can really feel the difference. Okay? First, I'm going to say, I'm going to call this a uh, D7 flat 9 the way it is in the music. And let's hear what that sounds like. One, two, three, go. They will light my way tonight. All right, good. So that's the way that it's written on the music. But let's now rewrite it and call this chord C diminished seven instead. Okay, one, two, Three and they will light my way tonight. Good, different, right? It makes a difference. Let's try thinking of that same chord as G flat diminished seven. Because, yeah, as you know, we can name that chord for any note in the chord. So let's try it. One, two, three, four. They will light my way tonight. Different, right? Let's try A diminished seven. One, two, three, four. They will light my way tonight. All different ways of getting there. But you can see the, the practical ramification of choosing uh, a chord name is often that it will dictate what the bass player does. I personally, I, I really like that uh, that G flat sound in the bass. I think that's cool. But that's what you got to do. You got to listen to all the possibilities and see which ones you like. And I just hope that breaking it down like that and taking the time to explore the possibilities uh, is helpful. Thanks for the question, Sandy.
Now, I want to finish by jumping to a question from the Jehui Teacher Certification Program. This program is designed for teachers who want to improve their ukulele teaching and who want to connect with other ukulele teachers around the world and tap into three generations of teaching wisdom and resources. I'm the one teaching this program, but I'm standing on the shoulders of three generations of teachers who have really shaped the way that ukulele is taught in schools, in private lessons, in community groups. People like Chalmers Doan, Jamie Thomas, Peter Luongo, Bonnie Smith, and and many others who have contributed to this incredible wealth of knowledge about how to teach ukulele and how to have a lot of fun doing it. So that's what Jehui is all about. And this is a question from Marianne. Marianne is working on level three, which is the highest level of the program. And her question is um, on a lesson where teachers are learning how to guide their students through harmonies in the key of F and really explore beyond the, the typical harmonies in the key of F. And her question is, should I seek out the half-diminished chord in any major key? Should I seek out the half-diminished chord? Well, hold on a second. What's the half-diminished chord? <laughs> Here we are talking about diminished seven chords, and you know, and this is leading us now in yet another direction. Okay, so this is the MythBusters portion of the show, because there's a persistent myth out there that there's a diminished seven chord in a major key. Now, this is something that I hear about from students and from teachers, and I was also very confused about this for a long time. So hopefully this helps you to avoid some of that confusion. Let's take the key of C, for example. The key of C meaning all the notes of the C scale. Well, those last two right there, B to C, Oftentimes, when people harmonize that, they'll use a B diminished 7 chord to a C chord. Because it sounds good. And that is a great reason to harmonize that way. B diminished 7 to C. Great. Love it. Love the sound. But that diminished 7 chord is not actually found in the key of C. What do I mean by that? Well, I mean that it uses one note that is not part of the scale, okay? It doesn't make it illegal. The, the, you know, the music theory police are not gonna come and bang down your door. But the myth that there's a diminished seven chord in the C scale is just that, a myth. Because this note right here, A flat, which is part of that, uh, B diminished seven, that A flat is nowhere to be found in the C scale. So we've had to pull in a note from outside of the key to get that diminished seven sound that we like so much. So if you want to stay inside the key and only use notes from the C scale, the, the solution is easy. You just change the A flat to an A and use that note instead in your harmonization. And you get this sound. Lovely. 
So what is that chord? Right there. That resolves so nicely to a C chord. That's the one that we call B half diminished seven. This is half diminished. This is fully diminished. You can hear them side by side. The difference is subtle, but you can pick it out, right? This is half diminished seven. And this is diminished seven. You can hear that one note changing. Gives it a little more spice and a little more tension. But again, it goes outside of the key. I think the reason people get confused about this is that both of those chords, B half diminished seven and B diminished seven, they both contain a diminished triad. A triad is just a chord with three notes in it. It's not until we get to the full-blown four-note chord that we run into trouble. So the, the basis of both of those chords is the same thing, B, D, and F. They both share that three-note foundation. Now, it's not until you get into the four-note version and you, and you keep adding notes to that chord that you have to decide between the A or the A-flat. One of them stays within the key, and one of them goes outside the key. They both sound good, but one is diatonic and one is chromatic. One is inside the key, one is outside the key. So the very short answer to your question, Marianne, is yes. You should seek out the half-diminished seven chord in the major key that you're working in. First of all, because it's a beautiful sound. But also because as a teacher, one of your students is going to ask you this very question at some point. And if you're not clear on it, if you're not clearly able to say, look, both of those work when there's only three notes, but when you start adding one extra note, you have the choice to say inside the key or to go outside the key. Okay, great. And you can show them, you can play it for them, and they can hear and feel the difference. But if you don't have that answer ready, it's it's one of those moments where you're just going to fall off the log and go splash. Thanks for the question, Marianne, and I hope that helps. Thanks for tuning in for this week's podcast all about diminished seven and half diminished seven chords. I hope you enjoyed that and I'll be back again next week with another episode. In the meantime, head over to euketropolis.com and check out the library of unique online ukulele courses. Most importantly, Euketropolis just has a really welcoming, friendly, supportive community of students who are there to share and to help you get to the next level in your own playing. So check it out. And until next week, keep on strumming.